Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. Both candidates in the upcoming presidential election have indicated changes to tax policy will be a priority. Yet there is a stark contrast in their proposed approaches to altering corporate, international, and individual provisions in the tax code. In this podcast, Brownstein's National Tax Policy Group, in the style of the McLaughlin Group, forecasts the sequence of tax-related developments likely to occur under each political landscape in 2021. Welcome to the McBrownstein Group, an unrehearsed but informed discussion of tax policy developments and trends. Today, we're going to discuss the tax policy proposals by the two candidates for president. With me today, from the right, Charlie Iovino, head of Brownstein's employee benefits and pensions practice, and also Harold Hancock, longtime Republican operative from the Ways and Means Committee under three chairmen, uh, expertise in corporate, international, and pass-through tax issues. From the left, you have myself, a veteran of the Senate Finance Committee Democratic staff, and Rada Mohan, a attorney working in Brownstein's Washington, D.C. office with a variety of clients from education to business to individual issues. Welcome, friends, and here we go. Let's start with their corporate tax issues. While the president's handling of the ongoing corona pandemic and the Supreme Court nomination seem to be taking center stage here in October leading up to Election Day. Really, we all know that on the ballot are Trump's other major initiatives, including his signature accomplishment, legislative accomplishment, the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. That act lowered the corporate rate from 35% to 21%, cut the top rate for individuals as well. He credits it with helping spur economic growth and lowering unemployment down to as low as 3.5%. It also did increase the budget deficit significantly. In his second term, the president has decided to go bigger. Let's focus on those corporate issues. The president of Republicans really made most of the corporate tax revisions permanent in TCJA. So really, what else do they need to do? I ask you, Harold Hancock. Well, Russ, the first thing they need to do is win. Uh, in order to keep them where they are, uh, or even to improve them. So we better hope that the polls turn around, uh, both at the presidential and Senate level, because um, they just got to get back into power to try to preserve it all. Well, let's just assume that they do. We, we'll assume that both sides win today, various questions. Let's assume the Republicans sweep. Then what are they going to do on corporate taxes, since most of the provisions are permanent anyway? Well, a lot of them are, but a few of them aren't. Uh, important ones. So, for example... Uh, in a couple of, uh, within the next year or so, R&D is no longer um, immediately expensed, but it's done over five years. That's a big deal. Uh, 163J, the limitation there gets much more severe for companies. That's another big one. Then you've got expensing, which is something that Republicans really, 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 really love. They don't want to see that go away. So you're right. There's some of those small things or big things, depending on how you look at it. In addition, uh, I think they're going to want to try to lower that corporate rate even a little bit more. Uh, I don't know how much lower they can go, but I think it's something in the high teens would be ideal. So you think in a Republican-controlled Senate and House with Trump in the White House, 
They will actually go for further corporate tax cuts as opposed to Trump uh, focusing on individual or other tax provisions? Oh, no, we'll, we'll get to that, too. They're going to focus on individual because the big problem there, as we know, is that the individual side of TCGA was not made perfect. All right, hold that thought. Let's stick on the corporate for a minute. Sorry I brought it up. Uh, let's talk about the Democrats then. Biden and the Democrats have a totally different approach to corporate taxation. They want to increase the tax rate and a, add a minimum books profits tax, which like we've never seen before. Uh, they want to basically reinstitute the corporate AMT. Uh, tell me, Rada, why is Biden so angry at big corporations? Russ, I'm going to change that question a little bit. It's not that Biden is angry at big corporations, but he does recognize that 20% of Fortune 500 companies paid absolutely no federal income tax in 2018. Now, they pay foreign taxes in many cases, yet despite a major tax break from the TCJA, they pay no federal income taxes. Now, Democrats are angry, as you put it, at Republicans. Now, they want to do another tax cut, cut the rate down to 15%, which will cost trillions of dollars at a time when the economy is hurting. What Biden and Democrats recognize is that post-pandemic, we need money in order to pay to rebuild the economy. Raising the rate would raise trillions of dollars. And what Biden and Democrats want to do is reward businesses that actually keep jobs in the U.S., through their Made in America program. Okay, but that 2018 not paying tax uh, during that year, Harold, wasn't that just an adjustment from the transition from uh, the old law to the new law? Or do you expect a, a fifth of the companies not to pay tax every year going forward? Part of it was transition, Russ. I mean, you went from a 35 to a 21% rate. Uh, a number of existing tax attributes were carried forward uh, more quickly as part of the adjustment. Um, those things happen. It, in any kind of a turnover like that, when you've changed the tax laws that much, those types of things are going to happen. Furthermore, I'd say to my Democratic friends uh, and presidential candidate Joe Biden, your answer is not to increase tax rates. Uh, it is to get rid of all the things that are in the code that companies are allowed to use to lower their taxes. All right. Uh, so, Rada, is Biden, is he going to go for 35 percent? He is not, Russ. Um, Biden and Democrats recognize that companies are hurting and it doesn't pay to revert to a 35% rate. They do need to raise taxes a little bit, but they're going to do so sensibly and they're going to balance it by credits and incentives for businesses that actually contribute to uh, American jobs and building American manufacturing. So... 28%, 25%? 28%, I think, is what they're going to go for. Is he is he just trying to hew to the old Obama proposal here? It, in a way, and Russ, you know, I'd like to remind my Republican friends that at one time, 28% was the dream scenario for corporations. All right, let's get out. Uh, in addition to all these new proposals, if Democrats sweep, are they going to really try to scale back or repeal all the TCJA? I think not. There are some provisions that Democrats will likely keep. Uh, there are other provisions that they're going to eliminate. So in a Democratic sweep scenario, which corporate provision is most likely to survive? Is it A, the interest expense limitation stays at EBITDA rather than going to EBIT? B, 
100% expensing, C, repeal of old section 199, or D, the 21% rate? I ask you, Rada Mohan. Um, that's a good question, Russ. And I would say, you know, EBITDA will likely go, I think, 100. Wrong. I ask you, Harold Hancock. 199 will stay repealed. Yeah, the correct answer is 199 will be repealed because you either got the corporate rate at 21% or and 199A is going to stay in law. So that's the only one. All right, final question in the corporate area. Let's talk about what they do agree on. So both Trump and Biden have talked about promoting research and manufacturing in America. Now, what if Democrats or Republicans don't sweep? We have a divided government. Is there really something here that both sides can agree to? Charlie? Yes, completely. There is bipartisan support for the Made in America slogan. They're both using it. They're, they both support stricter Buy America requirements. Both want tax credits already being discussed is a 30% manufacturing credit for PPE and a 40% investment tax credit for semiconductor manufacturing. The Republicans would go further. They would want full expensing, doubling of the R&D tax credit for those in essential industries. Um, the Democrats would want to incentivize partnerships for smaller manufacturing and businesses owned by women and people of color. Republicans would want to help with startup costs. Democrats are looking for facilities that would supply capital for these folks. And I think there could also be in the mix reduced corporate rate for those who are reshoring. The House Republicans have already proposed a lower tax rate for folks who are in the pharma manufacturing space. So, but all of those ideas, neither party has drawn a red line against any of them. They're right. all possibilities to be included in some package should they end up working together. Absolutely. Okay. And why is this that this is the one policy area on the corporate side that Republicans and Democrats agree, agree on? Is it A, that both sides have become anti-China and want to do something to respond there in the tax code? Is it B, what we've learned uh, through this COVID pandemic and our need to have more of our products manufactured here in the U.S. so we can control them? Is it C, general populism and economic nationalism? Or is it D, something else? I ask you, Harold Hancock. It's a little bit of B, but mostly C, economic nationalism. One of Trump's winning messages was to old manufacturing uh, you know, states, look what happened under Obama. All your factories went away to China. Uh, and so that's been one of his messages from the beginning. And I think a lot of Democrats have realized they need to find a way to reach out to these folks and rebuild American manufacturing. Rada. I'd agree with that, but I'd go a little bit broader, Russ. I would say the pandemic has created an unprecedented economic an economic situation. Unemployment is at an all-time high. So obviously it spurred economic populism and the desire to encourage the creation of jobs in the US. That has also been coupled with an anti-China sentiment for various reasons. And I think the made in America policies and the desire to punish uh, companies that offshore jobs is born from the culmination of all of these things. So are you saying if the pandemic recedes 
and our unemployment rate drops to 5%, that this desire for these will policies will wane, or are they still there? I think they're all still there because we've learned the hard way from the pandemic that when we are relying on a manufacturing supply chain that we cannot control, we're going to be left short holding the bag. The answer is all of the above, and we are going to do something about this in 2021. Okay, let's move on to international taxes. So, Rada, what are Democrats going to do with international tax system? It's been changed dramatically. Many members don't fully understand it. It is one of the most complicated parts of our federal law. Biden has proposed restructuring the guilty to a 21% kind of global minimum tax that might better satisfy the OECD. What else might a Biden administration propose on international front? Sure, Russ. It actually, it kind of connects back to our discussion earlier. Part of what he has proposed is a 10% offshoring penalty or surtax on services and sales to U.S. customers from a U.S. company's foreign subsidiary. So he wants to punish companies that are once again taking jobs away from the U.S. In addition to that, He's talked a little bit about a clawback provision that would force companies to return public investments and deny all deductions and write-offs for companies that move jobs overseas. Um, He would strengthen corporate inversion rules and do some other things to strengthen the code over there. But really what it all points back to are keeping and preserving American jobs and American manufacturing. So these are the sticks that sort of complement the carrots that we talked about on the manufacturing and research front. All right, uh, Harold and Charlie, will Republicans back any of those or do any of these ideas have any credibility could pass uh, if they needed Republican votes or is it Democratic only thing? I think it's probably Democratic only. You might get a few people, depending on how it's designed, but if he really wants to go as far as he wants to go, I think probably not. Okay. One other question in this area, Charlie, for decades, if not centuries, uh, we have treated our territories in a hybrid manner. We say they're uh, a part of the United States and their people are citizens of the United States, and yet we treat the territory as a foreign entity for purposes of our international taxes. Is that going to change in the next Congress? I hope it does, Russ. It makes no economic sense for us to treat our territories um, as foreign. And in fact, for the manufacturing there that's existing there to flourish, we have to get this, this problem fixed. There is a huge big pharma presence in Puerto Rico now. There is the promise of technology development in USVI. And in order to actually get this done, the delegates from those uh, territories are very concerned about getting this guilty problem fixed. So I would hope that that would be addressed. And we might have a combination of Republicans wanting to promote uh, U.S.-based businesses and Democrats wanting to help the economies and the territories to come to a solution on this. Absolutely. All right, let's move to pass-through taxation. Moving away from corporate taxes, a big part of the TCJA was what we call what, Section 199, a 20% deduction on certain profits uh, in various industries and structures. The Republicans put this in place. How is 199A going to fare under a Biden administration? I ask you, Harold Hancock. Oh, it's, it's still here. It will be here to stay. Uh, two reasons. Well, not two reasons, but 
Democrats actually like 199 cap A, at least the concept, because you're allowed, it decouples business income from individual income. That was always the problem before when they wanted to raise rates on higher earners, is Republicans said, no, you can't do that because you're going to hit business income. Now you can do it. So you can raise those individual rates, which we're going to talk about in a minute, and still keep small businesses uh, at bay by keeping 199 cap A in place. Democrats have had two major criticisms of 199 cap A. One, it's too complicated. I have to say to my Democratic friends, you're right. It's extremely complicated, especially when you're over the thresholds. But the second is they think the idea of exempting or not allowing it for services businesses, even above the thresholds, is a little odd. So what I would expect them to do is expand, but then limit. And by what I mean there is probably limit the amount of income uh, and lower the rate that you can can get it for. So let me make sure I've got this right, Harold. So if Democrats raise the individual top rate, doesn't that make the does that make the 199 deduction bigger? Not well. Remember, the individual rate is for W two income, uh, but it is also for flow through income. So they'll try to balance that out. Um, I think it makes it more important if the rate goes up. But what they'll do, because remember, we've decoupled that income, yeah. right? Play in one area and the other area and figure out the right balance. Right. So we have a this, sort of this separate income base called QBI or something for 199A. Right. Qualified business income. Right. Good. Uh, one other question in this area. So Congress has done little or nothing to help commercial and residential real estate, at least in the tax sector, through these COVID bills this year. Next year, regardless of who's in charge, what real estate tax policy is most likely to be enacted? Is it A, opportunity zone expansion, B, a renter's tax credit, C, repeal of like-kind exchange, favorable capital gains treatment, or D, a reduction in the capital gains rate? I ask you, Rada Mohan. Russ, I'm going to go with uh, the renter's tax credit potentially the opportunity zone expansion. Democrats are not going to go for a reduction in capital gains. Um, They would go for a repeal of like-kind exchanges. I don't think Republicans would. The renter's tax credit, however, has merit. It would help commercial land, well, it would hurt, it would help landlords in the sense that it would allow individuals to actually make their rent, something that many folks haven't been able to do post-pandemic, and it would also, also offer relief on the individual individual side. So that would be my first, um, I think that would be the first thing that has any chance in a divided government. There's no doubt. I think that would be the top priority in the real estate sector for Democrats. How about for Republicans? I think uh, Republicans are going to be looking for the opportunity zone expansion, Russ. I think that's where they really can see economic benefits there. And that's where they're going to be looking. And then because the needs greater having to do with because of the COVID Correct. pandemic, there are more areas with higher unemployment. So that's right. Let's expand them. All right. Good. By the way, Russ, Opportunity Zone, the main benefit there is a reduction or an elimination of your capital gains tax. So it's another way to get out of capital gains relief. Perfect. All right. Let's move on to uh, individual taxes. Okay. If Republicans, if I'm sorry, if Democrats sweep, they have made it clear that they want to dismantle certain provisions of the TCJA as well as raise the rates for the wealthy. They also have talked about helping low-income individuals with refundable credits. 
the Democrats have promised to restore estate tax rates and exemptions to pre-TCJA norms, limit up state bases. But really, what is the top, top, top tax priority in the individual arena for Democrats? Is it A, individual refundable tax credit expansion, like the EITC or the child tax credit? B, taxing wealth like wages, as Senator Ron Wyden has put forward the proposal on mark to market. C, increase the estate tax. D, add clean energy tax incentives to promote their efforts on climate change. Or E, uh, the COVID-related employee retention tax credit and cleaning tax credits that have yet to be enacted. I ask you, Rada Mohan. Russ, I, I think there's a difference between short and long term over here. In the short term, it's absolutely things that are COVID related. In the long term, however, I would say it, you know, it's more along the lines of individual refundable tax credit expansion. It's things like the renter's credit, um, expanding the child tax credit, the child and dependent care tax credit, a first time home buyer's credit. Um, all of those things are democratic priorities, but in order to do that, they're going to have to get the money from somewhere, and that'll be by increasing the estate tax rate, taxing wealth-like wages, and, and proposals of that nature. Okay, you managed to you know include two or three things in your answer. I was looking for just one item. Let's see if the Republicans be, can be more specific. So, which one of these are Republicans most fearful of? Which one do they, do they not want the Democrats to propose because it'd be difficult for them to vote against? I ask you. Charlie Ivino. Russ, it's taxing wealth like wages. Republicans are frantic about Wyden's proposal. They're very nervous about that because income taxes on W-2 income is one thing, but mark to market and financial transaction taxes, which will raise money, is what the Republicans are most worried about. Okay. Harold, will Republicans oppose all these or are they for the retention credit? No, they're for the retention credit. They're for cleaning credits. They're very much in favor of some of those COVID-related items. But I agree with Charlie. The wealth tax thing is a very big deal. Uh, and hopefully Republicans will not have to retreat to their massive estates and hide in their Rolls Royces. All right. So, uh, Charlie, what is the uh, going to be the rebuttal from the Trump administration when Democrats propose all these things for low-income people and propose raising taxes on wealthy individuals? Do they have a tax cuts 2.0 middle class tax cut plan? Russ, they sure do. I think what they're going to be doing is combining the 22 and 24 percent brackets into a new 15 percent bracket. So you will end up having a 10, a 12, a 15 percent bracket. And then you will hammer those people on their Rolls Royces with the 32 and 35 percent tax. So it would go from 15 and the next bracket up would be 32. Yes. But the 15% bracket would be significantly wider. Correct. That would be for the middle class. What do the Democrats have for the middle class? Sounds like their things are just for the high income and the low income. Um, I think a lot of the credits that they're talking about, Russ, would actually impact middle income Americans. Maybe the child credit? The child credit. Because it goes credit. up to 200000 Yes. Um, same thing on the child independent care tax credit. They're looking at raising that income or the phase out threshold rather to uh, upwards of 100000 Um, Not sure what the specifics are of some of the other credits and incentives, but they're definitely looking at helping the middle class. 
Good. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us today for our discussion. Uh, we're, you're not going to get this kind of detailed uh, analysis in the presidential debates. I think it's safe to say that. So join us here at Brownstein for that sort of in-depth discussion. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Brownstein Group. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit bhfs.com for more information.